0: 119, verse 63. Psalm 119, verse 63. He says, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. I'm a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. Now, when we think about relationships in Scripture, um, Scripture puts up... high priority on you being in relationship with other people. Specifically, whenever we think about the New Testament church, uh, the New Testament church is a body that is made up of relationships between born-again believers who have been given different gifts so that they might edify each other and they might grow up into their head Jesus Christ. Um, The fact that we are created in the image of a triune God um, means that we were created to be in relationship, in relationship with God and in relationship with one another. Um, We have different kinds of relationships uh, with different kinds of people. So um, some relationships are... Just acquaintances, some relationships are um, evangelistic maybe type relationships. but the kind of relationships we're talking about tonight are um, companions, um, those who you are knit together with. Um, the folks that you would say these these are my people. These are the people who have been invited into my life. As a source of influence over me, we all have those kinds of people. So Romans twelve eighteen tells us that we've been called to be at peace with all men. Okay, so as Christians, as much as lies within you, you ought to um, do what you can do to have peaceable relationships with all men. Sometimes people think, and 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 maybe it's been even. Um, uh, portrayed at times that the crotchetier you can be, than the holier you are, and that's just not the case. You ought to be able to get along with unbelievers as much as lies within you. Uh, uh, you ought to be uh, friendly. You ought to be kind. You ought to be gracious. You ought to be letting your light shine so that men and women would see your good works and glorify your Father that is in heaven. Okay? That, all that is, is true you ought to have a good witness in a, in a um, in a world full of unbelievers okay but that's not what we're talking about tonight with this um we're talking about um again those people that you are I mean the, the word is literally knit together with okay we are we are tied to one another uh, it reminded me of that little phrase when you, um, maybe you've heard it, and most of you have, when you talk about people who are very close friends and you say they're tied at the hip, you know, they're inseparable. Uh, that's what a companion is. Um, it's someone that you are entrusting yourself to and someone really who has entrusted themselves to you as well. Well, here's here's the reality. Um, this is... Observational, but it's also biblical. We need companions. Okay? Every one of us. We we need companions. As I said before, you were created to live in relationship with other people, but you were created also with the um, with the capacity for and the need for companionship. Um, God did not create me. He did not create you to be a loner. Um it can seem easier that way. I mean, truth is, people are hard to put up with. And sometimes they're so difficult to put up with, then folks come to the conclusion that what I'm going to do is close myself off from everybody. And um, that's not a biblical, it's uh, not a biblical attitude or position to take. Look in Ecclesiastes chapter four, Ecclesiastes chapter four. In Ecclesiastes 4.9, this will be a familiar passage for you. It says, "Two two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they shall have heat. But how can one be warmed alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now, Ecclesiastes is a book that falls in the realm of wisdom literature. He's saying this is better than that, and, this, and here's why. And so he says here, speaking about relationships, two are better than one. Why? Well, he gives three reasons. Number one, and I'm really summarizing and just kind of making the point. One of these days, okay, doesn't matter who you are, one of these days, you're going to fall down and you're going to need somebody to help pick you up. One of these days, you're going to be cold and you're going to need the warmth of another individual. One of these days, you're going to be overwhelmed and you're going to need help to overcome. Now, that's just general enough that we could um, use those categories to overlay the specifics of every one of your life lives and it, and it fits, it works. We were not meant to live life on our own. We were meant to walk through life with companions. Now, uh, in in light of what's laid out here in Ecclesiastes, this reality: one of these days you're going to fall. You're going to need somebody to help you up. One of these days, and these are all metaphorical. You're going to be cold. You're going to need some someone else's warmth. One of these days, you're going to be overwhelmed. And you're going to need someone to help. What kind of folks do you want? Picking you up when you fall down. What kind of folks do you want providing the warmth when you've grown cold? Really, we could go back to our message from Sunday and ask the question, when you're in need, what kind of counsel do you want being spoken into your life? Will the companions that you choose will have a direct effect on that. So think about this as it relates to that. Again, Psalm 119.63, I'm a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. Um, We've gone back to Psalm 1 several times. We'll, We'll go back again. Psalm 1, again, a companion is someone that you are knit together with, someone who has been given a position of influence in your life. In Psalm 119, he says, I'm a companion to all those that fear you, talking about the Lord, to all those that keep your precepts. Well, Psalm 1, verse 1 says... Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Essentially, all he's saying there in Psalm 1 is, the man or woman is blessed who does not invite the influence of the ungodly into their life. Or maybe we could say it this way the man or woman is blessed who does not choose the ungodly to be knit together with as a close companion. That's essentially what Psalm 1 is saying. Um, It it is a, a, a positive statement on this that there are blessings to be had in being careful and intentional about who you choose as your companions. And you get to decide what you're going to do with that. Uh, Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. So so in, as we're looking at these tonight, we're really going to look at two sides of the same coin. The first one is what we just said. There's a blessing for those. Who um, who choose their companions carefully? Who do not choose the ungodly as their companions? Uh, so Proverbs thirteen, um, verse twenty: He that walks with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. He who walks with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Here's just a reality about every single person in this room, including myself. You are susceptible to influence way more than you think you are. It's kind of gotten popular, Um, I say popular, I've seen it at least around some of the, not this crowd, but um, some of the Christian crowd that I'm affiliated with. I've seen these shirts that say culture-proof. Have you guys seen those? Maybe you haven't, but they say culture-proof. Like, you know, try your best, you you ain't going to get me. Well, I know what they're trying to say, but it's a lie. You're not culture-proof. I'm not culture-proof. We're susceptible to all kinds of influences. As a matter of fact, if we believe what James says, it's the very fact that we're not culture-proof that makes us so susceptible to sin. When our heart is drawn away, our lust is... Uh, um, uh, is the, the lust of the flesh is enticed by sin and our heart is drawn away and then sin is conceived. So... Influence is just something that we are naturally going to be susceptible to. And the reality is, those who we knit ourselves together with, who we invite to have a position of influence, that's either going to be for the better or for the worse. It really does work both ways. Um, one of the blessings of fellowship is that we stir one another up into love and to good works. That's just another way of saying it. Influencing each other to be more godly. Um, But one of the negatives, I say one of the negatives, I guess I should say the overarching negative to a companion, to having companions who are fools is number one, foolishness is fun until it destroys you. That's the way that works. Foolishness is fun. You think it's not going to happen to you. It's, you're, you're the exception. And then all of a sudden, it's too late. Um, the New Testament talks about it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Again, we're, we're looking at the negative side. In a minute, we're going to look at the positive side of this. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers now again i would just you could see the imagery here it's just saying don't be a companion with the ungodly, knit together, yoke together. You see the way the word picture works, what he's he's talking about here? This is also, and uh, you probably know this, but just in case you don't, this is not a marriage text. It applies to marriage, but it applies to far more than marriage. Um, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Here's the question. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they will be my people. They shall be my people. Wherefore, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now, this passage is not a passage that's saying you ought to remove yourself from the world. It's not a passage that says we all need to move up to camp, get a stronger gate, and keep everybody out. It's not what this passage is saying. This passage is saying that in the world you live in, as you rub shoulders with different kinds of people, that as it, as it relates to being yoked, knit together with, um, companions with um, individuals, that you are inviting into your life to have a position of influence. An unbeliever is, is a non-negotiable. It's off the table. Um, Evangelize? Yes. Be at peace with? Yes. Have kind interaction with? Yes. Knit yourself together with? No. I'm a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. Now, it's, it's interesting to see as you go through Psalm one nineteen and you try to trace this this theme as you see the um, um as you see the psalmist heart toward uh, the ungodly as it relates to I think this companionship idea. Look back in Psalm one nineteen because really what's the point of a message like this? Well, the point is that. The world is full of attractions. I mean, the, the, the ungodly seem to live fun, exciting lives. There's all kinds of things to draw you in. And the attitude of the psalmist in Psalm 119 is, again, is pretty interesting to, to trace. I may not have hit them all, but I hit, uh, I hit a lot of them. Verse 19, this is how the psalmist sees himself. I am a stranger in the earth. I'm not at home here. This is not my home. I'm a pilgrim and I am passing through. All of the pleasures and treasures of this world are not for me. I'm a stranger here. In verse 53, he says, Horror has taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. The the psalmist is horrified by this. And by that, I don't think this is saying that the psalmist has some sort of an arrogant attitude where he is uh, thinking about how much uh, better he is than these people. He sees what's going on with the wicked. He sees how the wicked have forsaken uh, God's law. And rather than being attractive to him, it's horrifying to him. In verse one thirty-six, rivers of water run down my eyes because they keep not thy law. And you know, I'm a stranger in this earth. The the, the 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 actions of the wicked horrify me. They they as far as the passage we just read here, um it grieves me to behold. And again, it's not it grieves me to behold because if only they could be like me. it's God's law is being violated. It's being trampled on. The, 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 the earth, the world that was created to be a display of God's glory is, is overrun with people who could care less about God's glory. He says, they're not my companions. I can't be companions with them because I'm committed to keeping the Lord's precepts. I grieve at what they glory in. In Psalm 119, verse 139, he says, My zeal has consumed me because my enemies have forgotten thy words. The thought of the lawlessness stirs up a consuming zeal for God's word in his heart. So rather than the psalmist seeing the wickedness of the unbeliever and being stirred to, uh, again, disdain and arrogance and self-righteousness, it's his zeal for the word that is stirred up all the more as he looks upon that. So this is his... This is his heart toward the world. It reminds you of the passage in James 4, really, where it says that the friend of the world is the enemy of God. Um, He says, I look on it. I'm not indifferent. I'm not attracted. I'm grieved. I'm horrified because it is a reflection of a world that has not only forgotten but a world that is at war with its creator. And when I see that, my zeal is stirred up. So, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. That's the negative side. Here's the positive. I'm a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. Let me throw in one more on the negative side of things. Um. I don't care what age you're in. The church um, of God is always going to be filled with people who are bouncing from one ditch to the other. That's me and that's you. Uh, Whenever we're dead and gone, the people who come after us are going to be saying about you what you said about the folks who came before us. Okay? We're constantly correcting. So for many of us, maybe not everybody, but for many, um, you might come from what you would call more of a legalistic type background. Standards that were held up as if they were equal to the authority of Scripture that were nowhere to be found in Scripture. And you were able to see that. Maybe you've broken away from that. I think maybe the culture, maybe Christian culture as a whole. Uh, and so what's happened is rather than upholding the authority of Scripture, um, it's gone the other way. And you can justify anything in the name of Christian liberty. This is just a liberty. This is a Christian liberty. This is my freedom in Christ. Well, it's it's helpful here to see that what he's saying, I am a companion of them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. That's who I've knit myself together with. There's no legalism or Christian liberty in any of that. Someone who is serious about God's word Both in precept and principle, who's wanting to apply it and live it out in a wise way, is not legalistic. They're faithful. On the other side, someone who's in love with the world and rides the hobby horse of Christian liberty are not balanced, they're sinful. Okay, if it's a violation of God's Word. So I think that's worth saying whenever we're thinking about this. Again, we're not moving toward an arrogant attitude, but we're certainly not moving toward a flippant attitude as it relates to God and His Word. So these are my companions, he says, those that fear you and they that keep your word. Let me throw another one in there. There is no such thing as a person who fears God and has no regard for His Word. You've heard me say this before, but it is such a popular thing now for people to say, uh, I'm not very religious, but I'm real spiritual. That's nonsense. That doesn't even mean anything. That's just a good way to feel like you're a deep person when you're really very shallow. I'm a companion of them who fear you. Well, who would that be? Those who keep your precepts. Those who are serious about your word. Okay, so on the negative end, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. On the positive end, um, you don't have to turn there, but the the rest of that, Psalm 1-2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the law of the Lord. I'm a companion with those who keep your precepts, who delight in your word, who fear you, he says. This is who I've knit myself to. Look in Psalm 119, verse 74. They that, they that fear thee will be glad when they see me. Because I have hoped in your word. You could park it on that for a long time. Just think about that verse. What would you say to me if I were to stand up and say, I got a praise request? Those who fear the Lord are thrilled to see me because I've hoped in his word. Sister Rachel would say, Robert, you ought to talk to him after service. <laughs> I don't know what he's trying to get across, but he didn't get it. Think about what he's saying. Those who fear you will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in your word. Isn't it a blessing to have companions? who fear the Lord and hope in His Word and can walk with you through life and encourage you and sustain you and maybe at times correct you or convict you, but whatever the case is, you are one who fears God and they are too. And that relationship strengthens your walk with the Lord. And... Your companions are glad when they see you and you're glad when you see them. Proverbs 27, verse 9. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So does the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Just this rejoicing of, of the heart. There's times where um, some churches get consumed with sentimentality. And the blessing of the day was that they got to see each other. And a warm body who was breathing spoke some words from the pulpit. And it's really kind of sickening when you think about that being what... um, Passes for a worship service. But sometimes we'd go the other direction too, to where all the focus is on a polished sermon, all the focus is on whatever you as an individual got uh, from that message, uh, and the relationships are just non existent. Well, that's not right either. One of the reasons, one of the blessings that I anticipate. When I come to the house of the Lord is seeing you interacting with you, fellowshipping with you and that's the way God designed it. We're not indifferent toward each other. the blessings don't come uh, exclusively from and and Preaching has its place, and it's it's obviously something that's supposed to be happening, and, and the Lord uses it in, 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 in ways that, that are wonderful. But the blessings are not just reserved for the monologue that you hear. You're supposed to be interacting with each other, and that's a blessing when that happens. I'm a companion, I'm knit together with those that fear you. That means I talk to them, I interact. I engage. I take an interest in. Or Proverbs 27, 17. Um, iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpeneth the counsel of his friend. Again, I'm a companion. I'm knit together for those who keep your word. And one of the benefits and blessings of that is that we sharpen each other. You can't do that if you're knit together with an unbeliever. That sort of thing doesn't happen. It can't happen. Rather than being sharpened, you're being dulled. Your affections, your zeal, so forth and so on. Now here's another part of it, and we'll this will be our, our last sub point. Back in Psalm 119. In Psalm one nineteen verse seventy nine, look at his attitude here. Psalm one nineteen verse seventy nine. Let those that fear thee turn unto me, and those that have known thy testimonies. Let those that fear you turn to me. Well, James warns us in James chapter two, verses eight through nine I mean more than that but particularly in verses eight through nine about the grievous sin of being a respecter of persons the psalmist here is not what's the criteria for those who are invited to turn into him that is just to come and be my companion to come and walk with me it's those who fear you those who fear you Peter puts it this way I think it's a I think it's a great um, I think it's a, a very helpful to think about what he says here. In Peter, I'm sorry, in Acts chapter ten. Acts chapter ten. This is after Peter has his um, interaction with Cornelius. Um, Cornelius had been praying. Um. They they send for Peter. They went to get him, and then here's what Peter says. It says Peter. Op-, this is verse 34. Peter opened his mouth and said, "Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him." He goes on and says more, but here's what he says. God's not a respecter of persons. So he's this is in redemptive history where the gates of the kingdom are being opened up wide to the, and the Gentiles are going to begin to come in. But here's what is here's what he's saying. In every nation, those that fear Him and those who work righteousness, I'm a companion to those that fear Him and those that keep His precepts, synonymous with what Peter just said. They are accepted of Him. Brothers and sisters, we have to be careful that we aren't holding at arm's length or closing the door on those who are accepted by God. If they are accepted by God, how in the world could they not be accepted by us? He says, I'm a companion to all them that fear Thee. Now I understand relationships are going to have varying depths and um you know sometimes people have this idea that everybody ought to have the same intensity of fondness for everybody else. Uh well, it's not a sin to have a best friend. It's not a sin to 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 hit it off with some folks more than you do others. Uh and that's not really the what's being talked about here. What is being talked about here is this respecter of persons in the sense of you having a criteria that goes above and beyond God's criteria for acceptance of another person. He says, I'm a companion of all them that fear thee. Those that keep your precepts. If you're you're walking with the Lord in the fear of God and you are keeping His precepts, you're my people, you're my companion. Now, there's obviously wisdom to be had as we think through this and varying degree of understandings and varying degree of um, maturity levels and 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 so forth and so on but but the baseline point is this. We have no right to hold anyone, we're thinking personally now, we have no right to hold anyone at arm's length that God has brought in and embraced. Doesn't mean they have to be your best friend. But the psalmist says, I'm a companion. Turn into me those who fear the Lord. And so this is both a blessing and it's a responsibility we see this come up in 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. This will be where we end. 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. When he says, "...that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father." and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write unto you that your joy may be full. So John says, we're we're declaring these things to you so that you can have fellowship with us. By the way, our fellowship is with the Father through His Son. If you have fellowship with the Father through His Son, you have fellowship with us. It's not based on preference. It's not based on cultural Preferences. It's not. It's not based on any of that stuff. It's based on the fact that you've been made alive by God through Christ. And the psalmist says in Psalm one nineteen verse sixty three, "I'm a companion of them, all them that fear Thee, and of them that keep Thy precepts." So again, those are just meditations on that verse. Thinking through, is that me? Am am I? Am I a companion of those, of all those that fear Him? Or do I tend to cultivate companionship with unbelievers, thinking that it'll work out? Or am I a companion of all those that fear the Lord? Or do I hold people at arm's length who don't also fit my preference? Companionship's a blessing. May the Lord bless us to choose our companions wisely and biblically. Let's pray, Father. We uh, again we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, for this psalm and just all the nuggets of wisdom that are there. All the. Um, all the the doors that are just open for, for meditation. And so I pray that you would um, bless these thoughts uh, that have been spoken, and I pray that you would apply them to our hearts so that we might apply them to our lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.